man cannot stand a meaningless life this statement is from an interview of carl jung um, from 1959 the interview is um, available on youtube um carl jung is a very important name in the field of um, western psychology as we understand it today um his uh, theory some of his postulates about the human psyche his theory of the archetypes some of those things are so complicated that um it's so difficult to even understand them even when all of the study material is available he spent a lifetime working on uh, the human psyche psychoanalysis and psychology and also before world war 2 he even predicted that there was going to be a second world war uh, solely by analyzing the dreams of his patients that is um the kind of contribution and the kind of depth that he studied um uh, psychology in he spent a lifetime doing that and a man with that profound knowledge of a subject says that human beings cannot stand a life that is meaningless um this struck me because this um at the first glance it sounds more like a a philosophical statement then a um, psychoanalytical statement that brings us to viktor frankl so viktor frankl was actually an austrian um psychotherapist doctor and psychoanalyst and this is like the late 1930s um in austria and he was doing his research uh, with suicide and depression as his core subjects i think he was uh, studying psychotherapy and psychoanalysis and at that time there were two schools of psychotherapy um in vienna they were called the two viennese schools of psychotherapy the first obviously was freud's school sigmund freud school of psychotherapy so obviously we can't uh, talk about everything that it stood for in such a short time there are numerous books for that uh, but as viktor frankl himself describes sigmund school of psychotherapy in one of his books the premise of the psychotherapy was um, that all human actions are motivated by quote will to pleasure so um the primal motivation for all of human actions the first cause is a will to pleasure so he also describes the id um, the ego and the super ego and how i think id is the part that contains our uh, repressed and most predominant aggressive and sexual tendencies uh, freud's school of psychotherapy was and continues to be criticized for being extremely pansexual so every single um kind of dysfunction mental dysfunction is somehow related to um the sexuality of that human being and i think the way psychology is approached today freud's um theory has a lot of impact on that even today the way psychotherapists and analysts approach their patients so that is the first school of psychotherapy and viktor frankl actually um spent some time uh, following freud's school of psychotherapy so i believe he wrote to sigmund freud 
um, saying he wanted to join the group, the school of psychotherapy, and then he studied, uh, assuming this pr- uh, premise that the primary motivation for all human actions was a will to pleasure. He uh, worked with uh, Freud, uh, not with Freud, but in his school uh, for some time. And then um, he, I don't know why, but they, I think uh, they developed some differences or he thought, Frankl thought that he wasn't satisfied with uh, what Freud's theory suggested. So he joined the second school, uh, Viennese school of psychotherapy, which was Alden's school, I think. The name is Alden. Uh, and Frankl in his book describes Alden's school of psychotherapy saying, the primary assumption of the school is that all human actions are motivated by quote-unquote will to uh, power. So Alden suggested that all human beings are primarily born into weakness and there is a part of the human psyche that hates, abhors feeling weak and helpless. So all actions of the human psyche and all motivations and all desires ultimately the primary desire is the desire for that journey from inferiority to superiority so towards the place of power so according to alden all human actions were motivated by uh, will to power after some time um, i don't know the cause but from whatever i read um, frankel separated from Alden's school of psychotherapy as well whether he was separated or he was expelled i'm not sure but um frankel wasn't satisfied with either sigmund's or Alden's school of psychotherapy and um, he started working on developing his own theory on what could be the basis of all human motivations and uh, of all human actions the motivation behind all human actions I think he was still on um, on his way of working towards developing his own school of thought and then um, I believe in 1940 or 41 Frankel was taken to the Auschwitz concentration camp the Nazi concentration camp in Auschwitz he was taken with his wife um, and at the camp uh, he describes in his uh, memoir slash book that Uh, immediately as they entered the camp they were asked to separate in two lines women and men and as they separated that was the last time that Frankel saw his wife Um, he never saw his wife again his other part of his family his mother father and brother I think were all killed or died in different concentration camps the only surviving member was his sister who fled to Australia, whether Frank ever met his sister again, how and when, I have no idea. From 1940s or 41 uh, until about 1944, Frank spent his time um, in around four concentration camps, uh, the most famous of which was uh, the camp at Auschwitz. So he spent more than three years about four years um, in concentration camps he came out and when he died victor frankel was one of the biggest names in um, viennese schools of thoughts towards psychotherapy and he had developed his own school of um, psychotherapy which was um, 
which came to be known as the third school of psychotherapy um, and this school of psychotherapy was obviously Viktor Frankl's school of psychotherapy which was called logotherapy now Viktor Frankl um, based on his experiences in the concentration camp um, he wrote a book in 1946 I believe uh, I think that was his first book and the book is called Man's Search for Meaning yeah he wrote uh, that was his first book it was called Man's Search for Meaning in the book Frankl in the first half of the book Frankl describes his experiences in the uh, concentration camps with a very human with a very humane point of view so he he isn't trying to describe um, exactly what happened the kinds of torture the details um he is describing his experience from an extremely humane point of view what it really took from him to adjust from uh, being um, a very well educated affluent member of society to a person who had nothing in the camp who was basically a slave um they were tortured they they everything that they had was taken away from them every single thing uh, they were sometimes given uh, clothes that belonged to um, a person who had already been gassed so the clothes were taken from those people and they were given to the new recruits the new prisoners they called each other comrades um and frankel describes uh, their daily routine according to him life at the camp was uh, just about survival because the moment they figured that a comrade was too weak to be of any um, use to them they, the comrade would be sent to a gas chamber um they did, they never knew uh, as long as they were in the camp what their families was up to were up to they were given um a piece of bread i believe and very thin soup every day uh in austrian winters or in german winters uh, they used to work outside and they weren't given any um clothing or shoes appropriate for the winters frankel basically says that everything was taken away from us so our money our material possessions our families even our names our identities because we were just numbers nobody cared about what your name was nobody cared about what you really did to them you were a number and then frankel uh, cites his observations he asks in his book man's search for meaning in an environment where every single reason to fight has been taken away from them and they don't know when the, when the war will end they don't know if ever they will be free they don't know if they'll be able to walk out of the camp uh frankel says that um the chances of his survival was 1 out of 28 so it was many times more likely that he was going to die than that he was going to live uh with no foreseeable f- uh, future in sight what was it an immense suffering physical suffering emotional suffering mental suffering what was it that made some of the comrades get up every day 
and prepare themselves to undergo the suffering so the suffering that they were in was unavoidable and um there was no pleasure they were not fighting for pleasure or power they were fighting for survival but then what was it that made them get up every day and put up that fight so frankel describes a very um this is one of the stories that he said he said that once so sometimes they would uh, they would be able to smuggle cigarettes in from their foreman uh, once in a while they were able to smuggle some cigarette and nobody who got a cigarette no comrade would ever smoke his own cigarette because the idea was that you could sell that cigarette to a capo like a chief or to some to a person employed in the kitchen and in um, return for, uh, for the cigarette you could get extra food that meant a whole lot to them because they were all starving so it was an extremely unlikely sight in the concentration camp to see a comrade smoking his own cigarette but once in a while you would get up in the morning and you would see a fellow comrade who refuses to get up so they are the morning bells when people uh, came to wake them up the comrade refused to wake up no amount of threats or beating uh, would make him get up that's what he said even if the capo came they threatened him with death he would just not get up you could see in his demeanor and in his eyes that he had given up and then you would see him take out a cigarette from his packet and smoke his cigarette himself or you would see him take a loaf of bread from his uh, packet that he had um, managed to sneak out from the kitchen and eat it instead of saving it for the evening when they all would be really tired uh and when you saw that you knew that uh he isn't going to survive uh, for more than 2 days he said that you could see in his eyes that he had given up according to frankel um uh, what made people who endured the suffering emotionally obviously everybody endured physically to whatever degrees they could but what made people get up every morning and go to work was um whoever could find some sense of meaning either in their suffering or some sense of meaning in their future who could find meaning um in whatever either they were going through or who could find something to live for so looking at these comrades who um he could see in their eyes that they didn't want to live anymore he said that it is when these comrades lost the sense of meaning entirely they they thought that there was nothing to wake up to it is then that they retorted to immediate pleasure and power whatever power they they had um so according to frankel's theory of uh, frankel's school of um psychotherapy the primary motivation for a human being or a man is not pleasure or power but is a desire to have or to add meaning to his existence that is the first motivator for all human beings according to frankel whether or not they know it so that is the first motivation and then all motivations come stem from that so it could be a motivation to earn a lot of money for somebody or earn a lot of material riches but that motivation ultimately comes from the fact that that particular human being has attached the meaning of his existence to how much uh, material wealth he or she has 
based on this school of psychotherapy uh, which is logotherapy there's also a technique in psychoanalysis which is logotherapy um over years the technique was developed and the present day um cognitive behavioral therapy i think cbt um borrows a lot from logotherapy so frankel basically suggested that life never ceases to have meaning no matter no matter how miserable you think you are and according to uh, him so he differs from some of the um western schools of thought uh, particularly more american schools of thought because uh, when you call when you call something as an existential crisis a lot of times when you read articles uh, which are mostly american existential crisis is seen as something that it's called the dark night of the soul so it's seen as something that is undesirable that is a phase it's a dark phase um so you are living a healthy and happy life and something has happened and suddenly you dip into this phase of existential crisis uh which by means of therapy or by means of um um uh, medication you are supposed to overcome and are supposed to overcome that feeling of existential frustration within you um and are supposed to return back to the normal life according to frankel existential frustration is not a mental disease he says that um it is a part of the humanness of a human being to question and sometimes even feel a sense of despair about the worthlessness of his existence of or of her existence um he does not look at this existential frustration as a um a disease or a dysfunction of the mind he looks at it as a function of a healthy and awake human mind to ponder over the meaninglessness the seeming meaninglessness of his or her existence and to want to give a meaning to it he calls it existential vacuum which i think a lot of us know because a lot of us do question ourselves from time to time what the meaning of our life is or why we are doing everything that we are doing according to um frankel he suggests there are three ways or rather according to logotherapy um, by the way in frankel's book man's search for meaning the sections of logotherapy were added later once uh, he had a well developed structure to add to the book and uh, man's search for meaning is a very short introduction to logotherapy in german frankel has written i believe more than 20 volumes on logotherapy so obviously it doesn't it's not an exhaustive book according to frankel um there are three ways in which a human being can uh, give meaning to his or her life first is or their life first is by creating a work or in doing a deed so he says that uh, meaning can be found in action so when i wake up and i perform an action that i believe to be meaningful or i think adds meaning to my life that is a way i can uh, approach the, uh, that is a way i can uh, make my existence meaningful the second way he says that uh, everything relates in existence to everything so meaning cannot giving meaning to a person's life cannot be an isolation uh, isolatory process so i cannot sit in my room and within my own four walls of existence add meaning 
my meaning has to come in relation to something or somebody outside of myself so the second way he says is by experiencing something or encountering someone outside of ourselves and he calls it love he says uh, a lot of meaning to life can come from what he calls as love and he also says something very interesting about uh, how they approach the emotion of love in um his school as opposed to uh, in freud school i'm quoting frankel here from his book he says in logotherapy love is not interpreted as a mere epiphenomenon which is the secondary phenomenon of sexual drives and instincts in the sense of a so called sublimation love is as primary a phenomena as sex normally sex is a mode of expression for love sex is justified even sanctioned as soon as but uh, only as long as it is a vehicle of love thus love is not understood as a mere side effect of sex rather sex is a way of expressing the experience of that ultimate um, togetherness which is called love so these were frankel's words and obviously um, a lot of criticism to frankel's theory also comes from the fact that people say it is a lot of religion and so called spirituality overlapping um psychoanalysis which is science however um this was the second way frankel says that meaning can come to our lives by experiencing something outside of ourselves or uh, relating to somebody outside of ourselves the third way he says meaning can come to our lives is um through suffering and what kind of suffering so he doesn't suggest that we suffer aimlessly or on purpose however in the face of avoidable unavoidable suffering in the face of suffering that cannot be avoided uh, for example the people who were in the concentration camps there was um, almost there was nothing nearly that they could have done to alleviate their suffering or for a person who is um, undergoing some terminal illness whenever you are faced with an unavoidable suffering the attitude that you adopt towards the suffering can uh, be what brings meaning to your life that's what frankel says so if suffering is avoidable the meaning comes from identifying the cause and then removing it if it's unavoidable then meaning comes from uh the attitude that we adopt towards suffering uh there's a very interesting story that frankel says um he says that once um so one of the major uh traumas that uh people in the concentration camps uh faced uh besides the physical uh and the mental trauma of course was the was the feeling that their deaths will go in vain that they were suffering for nothing so it wasn't really a great cause or it wasn't really some meaningful work that they were suffering for they were suffering because of a mass neurosis they were suffering for nothing so this feeling that our suffering is for nothing and our death will be for nothing as well was very prominent amongst the comrades in the camp however he says that he once spoke to a fellow comrade who didn't die for nothing and how did he not die for nothing so the comrade told him that upon his arrival into the camp he had made a pact with god he said uh, to god that he was willing to endure whatever suffering and death will come to him uh, but in return for that god has to make a promise to him that his loved one 
will not have to fa- uh, will not have to undergo the same pain and suffering so in his heart he made a pact with god and till the end he believed that he didn't suffer for nothing he believed that his suffering had a cause and the cause was to protect the person that he loved from the same suffering um when this translates to psychoanalysis so this was a theory uh, of psychotherapy however when it translates into actual analysis when um a, a therapist is actually dealing with a patient who's undergoing depression anxiety ocd or sometimes even schizophrenia logotherapy suggests several different modes of dealing with people who are suffering with different kinds of uh, mental dysfunctions in general frankel said that logotherapy uh, for very severe neurological uh, issues um even schizophrenia can be considered one of those or something like multiple personality disorders um logotherapy is best used um in conjunction with other forms of therapy as well as medication however um when i looked into logotherapy i think they have some really smart and interesting ways of focusing on each particular illness so for example um let's take the case of anxiety there a woman came to frankel and one of his female patients and she said she was frigid so she couldn't experience any pleasure um in sex uh, upon further therapy frankel discovered that as a child she had been um sexually abused by her father uh and her fear was that the abuse was manifesting itself in the form of her not being able to feel any pleasure during sex so she was uh with she worked with frankel for a period of time and ultimately frankel um in his book says what i discovered was she had been sexually abused yes but the frigidity wasn't really as much of a result of the trauma of the abuse according to frankel she was abused and then while growing up she had learned and she had um studied and heard from a lot of places that people who are sexually abused have a tendency to have a um, dysfunction in their sexual lives in their sex lives when they grow up so the woman experienced something that frankel called anticipatory anxiety so even before the actual um act of sex she would um anticipate her not being able to um go through it in a healthy manner or in a or in a manner which she thought a person with no history of sexual abuse should be able to go through it with um this anticipatory anxiety caused her to hyper focus i think frankel calls it something known as hyper intention so when you are so scared of doing something wrong that all you can focus on is that wrong that you're about to do and a large part of anxiety for whoever has experienced anxiety can be that actually public speaking is that uh, one such example where you are so focused on one of the several things that could go wrong that you end up um actually making yourself do one of those things that you didn't want to do frankel calls it hyper intention and he also says this can be used in ways to deal with phobias any kind of phobia so whatever it is that you are scared with um 
he says to uh, replace the hyper intention towards the thing that you are scared of with something called as paradoxical intention so whatever it is that you are scared of and this is something when when i was in counseling my psychologist actually suggested me this there was a thing that i was scared of and i was so scared of it that i was too scared to imagine it fully and what she suggested was you know what it's just a thought you know that right it's just a thought so think about it more try to play with the thought try to make the thought as absurd as you can in your own head by replaying it once it reaches that level of normalcy and abs- and absurdity in your mind you wouldn't have to run away from it it will like your mind won't um, it will not trigger the flight or fright response that it usually does because it kind of becomes too absurd for the mind to uh, be afraid of there's another quote that says what you resist persists so yeah that is one of his theories similarly for people suffering uh, from depression frankel suggested that a large part of depression came from of course um patients um not fa- able to find a sense of meaning in their lives in their activities or sometimes giving themselves tasks that were too beyond their beyond the their capabilities so when they failed it reaffirmed their initial theory about themselves that they are worthless he suggested that the patient shouldn't be given a meaning towards his or her life from the therapist however what the therapist can do is provide a perspective so that the the patient is free to discover that meaning for himself a very interesting story that frankel um, writes in his book in the la- later versions of the book that were added much later much after 1946 so he said that an old man came to him and he had lost his wife he was very old and he had lost his uh, wife and he was married to her for like several decades so this man was wasn't able to overcome his grief he was depressed and frankel says what could i have said to him there was nothing that i could have told him um so i asked him imagine if it wasn't you but it was your wife uh it uh, who was alive and you had died what do you think your wife's condition would be like so the man said oh she would suffer terribly she would be extremely lonely so then frankel said well so consider this as the cost that you have paid for your wife to to not suffer the terrible loneliness that you are suffering so you took her loneliness you took the suffering so that she doesn't have to suffer um so i think in in this particular scenario and also he talks about it in his book it is not so much about normalizing suffering but in cases of suffering that are unavoidable it is about trying to find a sense of meaning in the suffering so that you can suffer in dignity quote and quote suffer in dignity so that you have a why he also says that um whoever has a certain why in their life and this is not frankel's quotes but he repeats it in his book whoever has a why they can tolerate any how so it is more about providing the patient 
um, or providing a person who is experiencing any kind of an existential vacuum a why. Um, Frankel also sta- states that this why is not a static thing. This why um, happens every day and you have to give yourself a why from moment to moment in life. So it's not a one why that can sustain you for a lifetime always. Some of the criticisms that, and another very important concept, he says, Eke Home. So, E-C-C-E-H-O-M-E, which means behold the man. So, basically, that's why people criticize this theory also, because this is not just a psychoanalytical theory. It becomes um, like a philosophy at a certain stage, because... Uh, what Frankel is suggesting is that our psyche and our personality is not just a function of uh, it's not just a function of a mechanical mind with all the memories, all the all the reactions taking place in it from time to time. Um, this goes against the theory of determinism. So people, uh, so determinism says that everything that is going to happen is already pre-decided. So, and even as human beings, our reactions are predecided, which are based on our history, our minds, the chemical reactions going on in them, um, our environment. Frankel says that, of course, all of these things are true. Of course, our history and the way our minds are wired, our individual psyche, all of it has a huge say in how we choose to lead our lives. However, he adds a certain dimension to the human mind which isn't mechanical so he says there still is a certain dimension which he calls spiritual or he calls which is outside of the mind beyond the mind and this he calls some as the super meaning so he says the logo so logo in greek means meaning therapy is therapy logos to your life or meaning to your life can't always be something that comes out of your rational minds that's what he says because um, rationality is useful but it's limited so in context to the super meaning he says that the ultimate meaning of life cannot be grasped by the human mind so From moment to moment, you can make choices that give your life meaning. However, people have to tolerate the fact that the ultimate meaning or the super meaning is something that their minds cannot grasp because um, it is beyond the scope of the mind. Uh, In his words or close to his words, what he says is, the ultimate challenge of man is not as Western psychology suggests to bear or tolerate the meaninglessness of life, it is to put up with the inability of the finite and limited capacity of the mind to grasp the ultimate meaning, which is something according to him that transcends the mind itself. So again, this becomes a little philosophical and people do criticize um, it, uh, the, his school of uh, psychotherapy for that. However, I think there is a lot of value to be taken from what he is saying. There are similar concepts in the modern psychology that exist that are inspired by Frankel's school. Uh, There's something known as existential therapy. 
there is something known as ikigai which is a japanese concept but it was popularized in the 80s i think uh, by a certain japanese doctor i don't know his name so ending notes about logotherapy and viktor frankl logotherapy is as i've said there are more than 20 volumes in german so this was just scratching the surface and even that i couldn't do properly um however it is important i think to uh, remember one very striking difference and um a, a professor from the university of georgia i forget her name she wrote an article on logotherapy and in her article she writes that in america or in the western world the way we approach psychology is we assume that the normal condition of a human being is to be happy so any kind of unhappiness any kind of a negative feeling or a sense of despair is looked at as a mal adaptation of the psyche so that is something to be treated however um as i've uh, said it before frankel says that the despair relating to the seeming meaninglessness of life is not pathological it's not a mental uh, disease according to him according to him it is um natural for a healthy and vital mind to in want to inquire about what the ultimate purpose of his or her life is and then based on frankel's um uh, school of psychotherapy some things have been developed uh, so there's this thing called the pil or purpose in life test it has been developed by krumbag krumbog and maholik um i'm not sure if i'm uh, pronouncing them right so pil test it's actually a test and it's available online it asks you uh, questions about the sense of purpose you feel in your day to day life or life in general and then you have to rate it from 1 to 5 i think i um i took the pil and i really didn't find it very helpful however there's another thing that they developed that krumbog developed which is seeking of noetic goals test so it's called song seeking of noetic goals test um in the test uh, the test actually measures not uh, not uh, how meaningful you feel your life is currently but how much of a meaning you are seeking in your life so how much uh, meaning driven you are i personally liked uh, the second test more because i don't think uh, m- me and then most people i know they find their present lives very meaningful uh, but i think uh, i am meaning driven a little bit however it depends if you do find your pers- uh, present life very meaningful then pil and um, song is something that you could try um this is all for logotherapy and viktor frankl um with the help of his experience in the concentration camp he was able to come up with a very different school of psychotherapy uh, there's a lot to read about it a lot of the present day psychotherapy has a lot of concepts from logotherapy embedded into it so it's a very interesting read and maybe um on some other day i'll try to do jungian archetypes but i'll have to study a lot for that so that's it thank you mm-hmm.